0: Friday night, um, this, just so you know, this has nothing to do with anything, I just have to tell you that this is what I did because I never thought I'd do it and I did it and somebody else should know that that's what I did. Uh, I went to a professional bull riding competition on Friday and I haven't recovered. I put kind of a a vague uh, Instagram story out there. I was like, you know, check something off my bucket list, which was like the professional bull riding thing. And I had more than one person who said, I can't tell if you rode the bull, if you just watched people ride the bull. I said, no, I would never do this. I would absolutely never do this. Uh, Months ago, we were planning for Bishop Ed's birthday. And somehow the conversation about a rodeo came up and we said, you know what we should do? (laughs) We should go to a rodeo for your birthday. (laughs) And so that's what we did. Uh, Friday night, we just watched people get on top of huge animals and ride them for up to eight seconds at a time. And it was fascinating. If you've never been, you absolutely should go. Um, It's a totally different world. Like, totally different world. Um, Gail, uh, Bishop Ed's wife, my mother-in-law, she kept making me take pictures of her in front of groups of people. Uh, Not because she wanted a picture of herself, but because she's like, I want to remember that there are these kinds of people among us, right? So it was really fascinating. There was a moment though that caught my attention. And um, when you walk into the stadium, it was at the BOK Center, right? It's a huge thing. And uh, when you walk in, there was this video playing and, like, it, it is meant to pull on all your heartstrings, right? It's like these slow-mo shots of these guys riding these bulls and their cowboy hats. And, you know, they've got these incredible mustaches and these uh, really dramatic shots of the, of the bulls themselves. And there's this guy with this really deep, you know, incredible voice, doing the voiceover. And he's talking about how this is like a hundreds of years old tradition, right? Of like man versus beast and just, you know, getting you all emotional about the whole thing. And there's a moment when you're like, yes, like let's do this thing, right? And, and it's, it's, it's strange to me, it was strange to me because of course it's like making this feel like this is something that's like ancient, you know? And all of a sudden it's like, I want to be a part of that old thing that's been going on, right? And then of course the video ends and there's like fireballs shooting up into the air and like lights dancing all over the place. And there was a moment there where I thought, you know what, Like that's what sanctuary does. (laughs) Like we have found a way of talking about faith and about what we do, fully acknowledging right, that this is a tradition that we're a part of. Not even hundreds of years, we're talking thousands of years of tradition. Um, And maybe we don't do all of the fancy lights and the fireballs and all of that, but we've at least found ways of talking about the tradition that don't make us go, ugh. ugh." We've found ways of actually inviting people in to this experience. One of the ways that we've talked about faith here at Sanctuary is to acknowledge that our our faith, the tradition that we are a part of is, is an inherited faith. You come to the Christian tradition by way of someone else. As Bishop Ed might say, Jesus sneezed on the disciples, who sneezed on the apostles, who sneezed on their followers, who sneezed on someone else, and somewhere along the line, someone sneezed on you too. The point is it took someone else bringing the gospel to you for you to receive it. And as difficult as it may be, as, and it is difficult. We need to acknowledge it is difficult. We ought to remember that all of these people throughout the tradition, we, we owe them something. We owe our faith to ordinary, regular, everyday human beings just like you and just like me. The people that we talk about, the story that we read today of Jesus calling Peter and, and Andrew, James and John, were meant to remember that they were human beings. They were no less flawed. They were no less wounded and broken, no less limited in their humanity than all of us are. And what we ought to keep in front of us is that in God's wisdom and God's humor, to be sure. The gospel never gets to us without them, without these normal, everyday, wounded, broken, limited people with all of their flaws, with all of their woundedness. We never receive the gospel without them. Still, I think even when we can come to terms with something like their humanity, the humanity of the disciples, the humanity of the apostles, the humanity of the people throughout the tradition that have made it possible for us to receive this faith. We still try to reconcile their humanity with the fact that they were called. They were given a job to do. God had a plan for their lives. As if we understand that they were human, of course they were human, but they were exceptional. They had some other force working in their life that just isn't at work in our lives in the same way. A part of the reason we even hear this reading from the gospel today is is a way of getting at this basic reality. If God can use these guys, if the gospel can come to me through them, then who knows what my faithfulness might mean for my neighbor. Who knows what my faithfulness might mean for the world? So on a regular afternoon doing a normal, regular mundane job, casting nets into the sea, Jesus sees Peter and Andrew. Jesus sees James and John but Jesus sees them differently than anyone had ever seen them before. And because he sees them differently, he can speak to them differently. He can speak to them in a way that calls out of them graces and hopes that they didn't even know existed in them. The text tells us immediately he called them and immediately they left their nets. There's a sense of urgency in both Jesus speaking to them and them responding to what Jesus has said. And the timing of this should surprise us, that Jesus shows up right on time. The timing of Jesus' work in the lives of these ordinary guys is impeccable. Jesus is the one who never gets ahead of himself, He never forces us to get ahead of ourselves. Jesus is perfectly in step with the Spirit, what the Spirit is doing in them and what the Spirit is doing in the moment, perfectly present in the present moment. Paul Young would say that Jesus is not future tripping, nor is he caught in the past. He is perfectly present and perfectly in step with what the Spirit is doing. And if Jesus isn't future tripping, if Jesus isn't carrying that anxiety, that burden of what the future might hold, and if Jesus isn't caught in the past of what was and all, future, all those regrets that we had that we carried back there in the past, if he's not worried about that, neither should we. Whether Peter and Andrew and James and John knew it or not, the Spirit had been preparing them for this exact moment when Jesus steps on the scene and calls them. That's why they could respond immediately. They didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to talk about it with their friends. Immediately, they left their nets and they went with him. And notice that there is nothing else that they have to do. There is nothing else that they have to become to respond to Jesus to respond to that call. Their normalness, their humanity wasn't something that they had to leave behind or something that they had to overcome in order to respond to Jesus. It was an integral part of who they were and what they were meant to do in following Jesus. The saints are the saints, not because they abandon their humanity in pursuit of God The saints are the saints because they live humanly in the way that the human God lived, in the way that Jesus calls them to live. Cyril of Alexandria makes this distinction between our human nature and the human condition. He says this, Jesus revealed our nature as greater than death or corruption and did so by achieving something beyond the ability of our condition. What he is saying, what he's insisting on is that Jesus both fully shares our experience, fully knows what it is to be human, being everything that we are without violating himself as God. And we can share fully in Jesus' experience in what Jesus experienced as being human, becoming everything that Jesus is without violating ourselves. We don't have to become less than to follow Jesus. The point is not that we have to become less human, we have to become more like Christ in the way that he is human, in the way that he became like us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was reflecting on this moment, on this passage of Jesus calling Peter and Andrew and James and John. And he said this, the text is not interested in psychological explanations for the faithful decisions of a person. In other words, he's saying, we're not interested in what's going on in the minds of Peter and Andrew and James and John that would just cause them to leave everything behind and go and follow Jesus. Why not? Because there's only one good reason For the proximity of call, Jesus calling them, and the proximity of deed, their obedience. There's only one good reason, and it's Jesus Christ himself. It is he who calls. That is why the fishermen follow, he says. He goes on, this encounter gives witness to Jesus' unconditional, immediate, and inexplicable authority. Nothing precedes it. Nothing follows except the obedience of the called. I think for most of us, we've understood discipleship, following Jesus, as us becoming something else rather than obedience to someone else. And to be sure, there is a transformational aspect of discipleship to following Jesus. But whatever that change is, whatever the cost of following Jesus is, it is always a gift to us. Always a grace that is creating for us a future that we most deeply and truly desire for ourselves, whether we immediately realize it or not. Bonhoeffer is absolutely right. The text isn't interested in psychological explanations because instead of their psychology, what's going on in the minds of these disciples when they respond to that call, we should be thinking about Jesus' wisdom. We should be thinking about Jesus' timing, Jesus' creativity and showing up and calling them to himself. Jesus showed up right on time. That's why we don't have to worry about what they were thinking or the condition of their lives, their relationships with their parents or their families. Jesus comes close to them and immediately called them so that they can immediately respond. His proximity, his closeness makes their response possible. And here's what I want to say to us today, here's what I want you to hear, that if you are feeling pressure, if the idea of fulfilling God's call in your life leaves you with a feeling of anxiety, if you are sweating it, as Bishop Chris would say, it might be that it's not the right time, or it might be that you're feeling a pressure of a call that Jesus hasn't put on you. For Peter and Andrew, that immediately shows up for them in a moment when they weren't sweating it, when they weren't concerned about the future, when they weren't living in the past, they were just present to the present moment, doing the present task with the present people, and Jesus shows up. They knew they were right where they were supposed to be, doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing, And so they could respond when Jesus sees them and Jesus calls them. We should acknowledge the language of calling. And the idea of calling has probably been opaque to a number of us. For some of us, we understand being called as to be exceptional, as to be set apart, to be called out from everyone else but the reality is there are some calls that are just all of ours to be obedient to. But other calls are unique to us. There are some calls that are ours to do and ours alone to do. Paul makes this distinction in his letter to the Galatians. Galatians six, he says that we are to bear one another's burdens. We've all heard this text. We're all called to bear one another's burdens. And then just a moment later, He says, bear one another's burdens. This is for all of us. And if we do bear one another's burdens, we will fulfill the law of Christ. We will fulfill the law of Christ. And then he says, all must carry their own loads. Bear one another's burdens. You will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry your own load. What is he saying? There are simultaneously things that we are called to do, things that we are responsible for. And there are things that are uniquely yours to do. Ways in which you are called to respond to a common call that only you can because that call is fitted to you. And the way that Paul ends this letter is by saying, if you bear one another's burdens, if you carry your own load... What you'll find you're carrying are the marks of Jesus. This is verse 16 of Galatians 6. He says, as for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the people of God. He says, from now on, let no one make trouble for me for I carry the marks of Jesus branded on my body. That's the blessing he speaks over the people of Galatia. Paul talks about this again in Ephesians 4, that there is one calling, but there are many gifts. So as a community, as a church, we all have to know, collectively, we have to know what it is to make space for other people. We all have to know what it is to forgive one another. We all have to be oriented to a posture of service. But... Some are called to serve this church in ways that other people are not. Some of you support this church financially because you've been given grace to do so. Some are called to give their time and their gifts and their talents and their energy because they've been given the grace to do so. Some are called to intercede for this church because you've been given the grace to do so. The point is, we all have work to do, but the work you are called to is work you will be graced to do because it's the work that you are uniquely given to do. The the work that you've been given to do is fitted to you. And whatever that work is, whatever that calling looks like, it contributes to the one work of God for the whole creation. It's all one in Christ. Think of it like, like an orchestra. We all have parts to play. We all have notes to follow, but it's all part of one piece. And we need you to play your part. Sanctuary has a part to play. We have a unique calling in Tulsa, among other churches in Tulsa, that are part of the same orchestra, playing different parts, but all the same piece. We have a unique calling, but all of us are one in Christ. Hebrews 11 says it this way, that they are not perfected without us. The text says God provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. What's that mean? The world needs us. The world needs you to show up in the ways that only you can, in the ways that are fitted to you, that you are graced to show up, to give your time, to give your energy in ways that only you can. But here's the thing, our parts will always seem out of place if they're separate from the whole if we think we're all supposed to be playing the same thing all the time, if we imagine not an orchestra of instruments, but each person, every church at their own piano, playing the same notes at the same time, all we'll end up doing is judging one another. Why? Because we'll look at the ones who are resting, that is a music pun, we'll look at the ones who are resting and we'll judge them because our sheet music says, well, now is the time to play. Now is the time to work, to respond to the conductor, to do something. We'll judge the ones playing forte when our part says to play quietly. And we'll just mistake their enthusiasm as being disingenuous because that's not the part that we've been given to play. We are called to that oneness, not to sameness, but to oneness. And oftentimes we confuse the two. We think that our oneness demands a kind of diminishing of ourselves. The reality is oneness demands not a diminishing of ourselves. It doesn't mean that we have to become less than. It demands that we live in the fullness of who we were created to be. And whatever work God gives you to do will be fitted to you. You will be graced for it. You won't have to sweat it. Your humanity is not in competition with your obedience to God, in obedience to God's call on your life because your life has been joined to Christ's life and Christ's life is inseparably joined to yours. This is what Paul means in our New Testament text for today. It's 1 Corinthians 17 and it is an odd text. He says this, I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none. What? And those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as if they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. What does he mean? It all sounds like nonsense, and it will sound to us like gibberish. Let those who have wives be as though they had none, those who mourn as if they were not mourning. It is all nonsense until you realize that what he's talking about is something that's only possible because our lives have been joined to Christ. Christ is living in us, and the reality of that life is altering what is possible for us. Christ is renewing our nature, making possible modes of being human that we had not imagined, modes that are seen in the lives of the saints. And Christ means that for you. You can respond to that call because Christ is already with you. Christ sees you. Christ knows what you are capable of. Sometimes that's a a, a way of speaking to your potential. Sometimes it's a way of just acknowledging what's here. Christ knows what you're capable of. Christ knows what grace and what hopes there are that you haven't even realized yet. My prayer for you, for sanctuary, for all of us, is that we have the the attentiveness that we have the wisdom to be present to the present moment, the wisdom to hear that call in time so that when Jesus says to us, come, immediately we can respond and we can do the work that Jesus has graced us to do. Amen.